Hello and welcome to the Investing On The Go podcast brought to you by Fund Calibre. I'm Ryan Lightfoot-Brown and today I'm joined by John Bennett, the Elite Rated Manager of the Janus Henderson European Focus Fund. John, thank you very much for your time today. It's a pleasure. Now, last time uh, you talked to us was just under a year ago, and you described it as a what we call control-alt-delete recession, a resetting of the global economy. What do you make of all of it now that everything's passed? Yeah, and I think um, I'm kind of glad I called it that because I think that's exactly how it uh, it has it has turned out to be. It was a it was a reset, and 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 I think if you if you look back at at, at the data. Uh, and the events since then. But if you look at the data, you had a naturally occurring cyclical trough in a couple of areas in the industrial world. One was um, inventories, and that was naturally occurring downdraft, if you like, downcycle pre-pandemic and in fixed capital formation to you and me, capital investment, CapEx. So those two were already in a downdraft. And and what the control alt delete the pandemic did was the reset was drive both of those down in the industrial sphere um, uh, into artificial troughs deeper troughs and what you know to answer this the the, the, the the question of what do we make of it now what has played out quite clearly unequivocally is a V shaped recovery led by the industrial sphere V shape one is here is in. Is, is I don't want to say it's done, but it's here, it's in. V-shape one is the industrial f- sphere. We look forward to V-shape two, and that's going to be led by the consumer. Um, and you also said that if we got inflation, there would be a reversal in the fortunes of growth and value. Well, we've seen that happen of late, but do you think this will be able to continue, or should investors, as you said they tend to do at the time, stay in growth and holiday in value? Yes, uh, and that's that. You know, I think I think that, that investors have been conditioned to doing that. That 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 they see a value rally as a straw fire, because the value rallies have only been straw fires in the last ten or more years. You've got a generation of fund managers who are used to, uh, well, actually, no cycle in a sense, the banishment of the cycle by central banks and forever lower bond yields. The corollary of that is forever higher PEs for so-called growth stocks. Challenge, if we get inflation, I think we will get inflation. But if we get inflation, the challenge is is to high multiple stocks. So I think, I believe that we are living through a great tug of war right now between value and growth. And this time I think it's different because I think this time inflation is embedded in the system. Inflation is the enemy of high multiple stocks. So all those sexy names led by the NASDAQ, uh, um, those sexy growth names, disruptors, I think they're going to disappoint. Oh, it sounds like quite a challenging time for an investor. So how are you going to sort of navigate your way through a time like this? Um, you don't like to overpay for things, but you're neither a growth nor a value investor, are you? I I, I, am, I think I think every, every investor thinks of himself or herself as a value investor because because you know we all like we all like to think we're paying the right price for something or we all like to think we're paying uh, uh you know we're getting something at a bargain or at good value so i think we all think we're we're, we're value conscious investors we've never been deep value investors in that respect you're absolutely right we've never been sort of value is in a ratio what we have been forever uh 
for as long as I've been doing this, is very pragmatic investors. And I think that's actually shown in the last 12 months that you've that pragmatism has, has I think, shone through. And I actually think has been necessary if you've been, uh, if you are to have outperformed. Um, I think too many investors have been perhaps felt pressurized. And I mean, professional investors have felt, felt pressurized to be style investors. And the style that has won for the last 10 or more years and a number of young careers have been made on it. Um, and that is the growth style. I think that growth style is about to be challenged, and I think you're only in the foothills of that. Um, so by staying pragmatic, still trying to to not overpay, um, I think that's how we've thrived in in this last twelve months, and I think we'll uh, continue to thrive. And I've been fortunate enough to to thrive in markets for the last thirty four years, and I think pragmatism has been at the heart of that. Okay, and perhaps with that in mind, are there any sectors in particular that are standing out to you as sort of good or bad in either direction? No, I, I think that one of the things that has happened, I think, I think it's it's dead easy to say, oh, values come in from the cold, and it has to an extent. Oh, oh values outperform growth, and it has for a few months the straw fire effect. But much more importantly, the market's broadened out. The market has broadened out, certainly in Europe. Um, you know, and if you go to the states, people have talked about the S and P five hundred has become the S and P five because you've had this dominance of the large caps, and you've had the dominance of the mega caps, the dominance of tech. In Europe, certainly, it's broadened out. It has in the states as well. Actually, that's really played to our style and what and, and what we like in terms of, of sectors. We rule nothing in, and we rule nothing out. If you actually look at what we did from the summer of last year, um, we started to own auto stocks. Historically, the poster child sector of value invested. We even started to own a few banks. Historically, a poster child value sector. We even we own oil today. Historically, a, a, a poster child value sector. So, we also own some growth. We also own some quality growth names. The the key for us is that the market has finally broadened out. I think still sectors that you do want to avoid, incidentally, are. At sectors or companies, those who lack pricing power. Why has telecoms underperformed for as long as we can recall? They don't have much in the way of pricing power. And that's going to be ever more important if we are right that inflation has come in to the system. You're, you're, you're just at the beginning of seeing a number of companies saying, this is a headwind trying to pass on these input price inflation increase, inflationary increases, be it steel, be it other commodities. That's really interesting. Thank you. Um, I was going to go through a couple of the stocks that you hold. Um, one of your, your top 10 is a company called UPN Kumine. Um, It makes renewable and biodegradable products. Can you tell us a little bit more about this, please? It seems to be, be quite a popular area, especially around ESG. Um, and I yeah. see it's part of a project to make the world's first wooden satellite uh, looking to launch that year. That sounds quite unusual. Can you, um, can you talk yeah. us through that, please? Yeah. I think you're dead right uh, that ESG has become popular. I think we have a bit of an ESG bandwagon going on in the asset management industry, frankly, and I think it's going to lead to a a number of misallocations of capital. In other words, people overpaying for popular ESG stories, Um, and we don't like to overpay. UPM Kimini, for me, uh, as as well as Lafarge, your other biggest holding in the the portfolio, these two companies, but UPM Kimini, they, they... epitomize our approach to ESG. And what I mean by that is, is you could call it hidden ESG, for now hidden, but about to be discovered. Um, Or you could call it ESG delta, the rate of change, the direction of travel in ESG. And what I mean by that is, it's dead easy to take a UPM company and say, oh, there's a pulp and paper company. 
that's the old economy. Um, so I won't go there. And I'm an ESG investor and it, and it sounds a bit dirty and it doesn't do nice things to the environment. So I'll just go away and my clients won't fire me because uh, I'm owning Tesla. It's much easier and my life is easier. Well, that'll change. So you being Kimini, you're absolutely right. If you take its history in pulp and paper, pulp and paper residues are now being used by that company. So it's taking the it's taking the cash flow and expertise from its traditional business, pulp, paper, wood, wood products, taking the cash flow, investing in biofuels, biodiesels, the fuels of the future, um, where where the feedstock is in fact the residues from its from from its it's it's history, it's historic business, which is pulp and paper. So it has the knowledge, it has the cash flow. Crucially, it has the cash flow to be an ESG winner. So if you look at that company, I think that company is going to do two things. In the next three years, I think you're going to see a 50% growth, 5 in the operating profit of that company. And second, 50% of that operating profit in three years, t- three years time will not come from the traditional pulp and paper business, but will come from the biofuels business, the fuels of the future business. What I love about that is it's ESG in transition. It's ESG by outcome rather than ESG by scorecard that it's a virtue signaling company today. And there's quite a few of them around. And what about the wooden satellite uh, situation? Yeah, yeah, the wooden wooden satellite thing is really an experiment by the company um, to test plywood, it seems to me. And and me being me, I'm probably distilling that down to hypersimplistics because that's me. Um, I like to keep the job as simple as I can. I think they're testing the properties of the wood itself to see if this could happen. Now, could that lead to some growth in the future in terms of we probably have all sorts of, well, we do have all sorts of debris uh, uh, in, the, in, in, in space. Perhaps this is an alternative to that debris flying around in space. Who knows? But I think it's just a test of the material at this stage. Interesting. Thank you. Um, and now with what's going on in the world, it seems that it's quite unlikely we're going to be able to visit Europe much this summer. Um, so perhaps you can bring some sort of interesting European ideas to us. Are there any other interesting stocks that you hold? Yes. I talked about V-Shape 1. And, and as I say, that's in. It's here. It's happening. Stocks have re-rated industrials. Look forward to V-Shape 2. And this is how we've tilted our portfolio. And that's a whole bunch of consumer names, European consumer names. I'm actually pretty optimistic that we will be visiting Europe this year. Um, always remember, European equities does not equal European politics. So the the madness and the posturing of people like President Macron, the newsworthy Ursula von der Leyen and their fluffed lines on trying to roll out their vaccine, they're actually now only about five or so weeks behind the UK. If you look at the data, and ignore the noise. And everything that you do when you're investing, look at the facts, ignore the noise. Please apply that to Europe. Look at the vaccine data. The efficacy is fantastic. And that, and despite what Macron says for, politi- for political reasons, I'm very optimistic that you and I will be going out in our home country and indeed our home continent called Europe. And we will be eating, and we will be dining, we will be partaking of some beverages, we will be traveling and we will be doing what consumers do and that is spending money. And in that respect, I would ask you to look at a stock which also in my view is an ESG in disguise play at this moment because it actually has quite ugly optics and that is salmon farming. 
And I would look at Moway in Norway, which is a salmon farming business, because actually it's a very fast growing source of protein. And of the major food proteins, incidentally, it is actually the most environmentally sustainable. Um, so again, there's noise uncertain. There's always noise in investing. There's always optics, but you need to lift the hood. You need to look under the bonnet and actually see what's going on. Salmon versus red meat in terms of the environment, there's only one winner. And by the way, the catering industry, the restaurant industry, they're all going to open up. I think Ryanair is a winner. I think Moe is a winner. I think Inditex, which is the Zara clothing change, is a winner. Clothing, clothing chain is a winner because we're all going to go out and we're all going to consume. Well, John, on that excellently jolly note, especially for some of us who have got overseas weddings uh, this summer, um, we'll we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for your time. Right. Enjoy. Thank you. Thank you. And for more from the elite raters, Jayla Tenderson, European Focus Funds, please visit our website, fundcaliber.com. And for more from the Investing on the Go podcast, please don't forget to subscribe via your usual channels. Please remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not be holding these stocks at time of your listening.